Hey everybody, Chris here. Just a quick message before we get this episode going. Uh, On August 16th to August 18th, Nate and I will both be in El Cerrito, California, San Francisco area at Bridges Rock Gym. And we'll be teaching a youth team workshop that's for youth team members, for coaches, and for parents as well. And we'll be doing two days with the kids, one day uh, a workshop, the second day a mock comp where we work with each kid. We'll be taking the coaches through the same workshop so that they can help us in the workshop and we can help them with their coaching skills, the language they use, the feedback they use, and how they talk to the kids about movement uh, to get to get things rolling in the right direction with all these youth climbers. Um, the parents' workshop will also be concerning, it'll be a discussion concerning the feedback that we use with climbers and how that can affect their mindset. Um, so that's open to anybody who wants to come out for it, and that will be August 16th to 18th. And you can check out and get tickets at bridgesrockgym.com. There will also be a link right there in your show notes on your pocket supercomputer directly to the event tickets. And you can buy individual parts if you're just a coach. Buy only the coaching workshop. If you're a parent who's really interested, you can come and just participate in the parents' discussion. So hope to see you all there. Again, that's bridgesrockgym.com in El Cerrito, California, August 16th to 18th. Thanks. What's up, everybody? I am your host, Chris Hampton. And this is Nate Drolet. And together we form the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Boom. They should be part of the team. We are the power company, after all. Yeah. Yeah, we should... In fact, we should start a team called the Power Rangers. How cool would that be? That would be cool. And we'd all wear different colors. Yeah. I call green. And masks. And masks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely the yellow ranger then. <clears throat> we need a pink ranger. Blake? No, not Blake. Blake's not the pink ranger. Who can be our pink ranger? We need a good pink ranger. We'll think on that. Okay. I'll have it by the end of the episode. Uh, what are we talking about today exactly? Um, barriers to improving outside. Yeah, because, you know, I mean, training is addictive Mm -hmm. for a lot of people it's really easy to measure i can't believe i just said that in conjunction with training for climbing but it's easier to measure inside whether you think you're improving or not and then you get outside and everything falls apart i've seen that happen a lot um and i think there's some main roadblocks, main barriers to that improvement 
transferring over to the outdoors. And that's what we're going to talk about. Yeah. And uh, this is one of those that we had five reasons. We had six, actually, I think, on this one. (laughs) I think we started with like nine. Yeah. And we consolidated and boiled it down. And then we were like, okay, which should be number five and which should be number one? And then we'll fill in the middle. And we were like, yeah, all of these could be number one. So these are not in any specific order other than we had to put them in some order to say them because otherwise it gets really confusing if we say them all at one time. Yeah. So our number five currently is our number five roadblock for improving outside is that you don't have the right partners. We've talked about this in the podcast before I did an episode with uh, two clients of mine, Scott and Tyler and those guys found each other were perfect partners for each other and we really cultivated that both in their training and in their climbing outside and it made all the difference for both of them um but that that's tough to find Man. not everybody finds it yeah great partners huge uh i think i can't remember who it was um who's a west side barbell guy oh oh if you hadn't asked me that i could tell you um drawn a blank i think it was him who said that a good training partner is more valuable than a great coach mm. and i agree man. because i'm a great coach i'm not sure i agree with that but maybe equal <laughs> um, <laughs> but i do see the point yeah like having someone else there who can know you intimately who can push you like they are on your same wavelength yep like and it's you know, like as a coach, like every coach does their best to try and connect with someone. Um, but you know, like a climbing partner, these are the people that you go out, you spend 10 hours at the crag with on your weekends. Like you spend the entire drive, you know, you may drive to another state to go climbing together. Like, you know, them, you know, their family, like all these things, like these are the people that they're an integral part of your life. Um, and sometimes you're in a bad relationship. (laughs) <laughs> I've been seeing that word far too often lately. <laughs> We've had a task in our um, shared board meeting topic list for quite some time that said how to tell you're in a, a bad Top long-term relationship. Tell you're in a bad long-term relationship. <laughs> but now that the word relationship is being used all over the Instagram, I'm going to have to just nix that one. I know. Or just come back to it later. Let it be known, I I used it first in our secret folder that no one else ever knew about. (laughs) I'll vouch for you. Um, Yeah, and and, you know, I I also think that it doesn't have to be just one person, just the same person Mm -hmm. all the time. I think you can have several good partners. and, And maybe I think it's a good thing to switch it up from time to time, to sometimes be the strongest person in the group, to sometimes be the weakest person in the group. I think that's a good thing. Totally. You know, so not the right partners could also extend to just climbing with the same people all the time and never getting to see other perspectives. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's important to see, like some people just don't realize, like if you go out climbing with someone who they like take their time warming up and maybe they'll do a new route and then they go over and they can try their project, like, like a hard limit project for them, like four or five times in a day. And then they go out and they, 
try to do another route afterwards. Maybe they get it done. You're like, what the fuck? You just did like 12 pitches of hard rock climbing. Mm-hmm. Like we do like three normally. Right. And like we set up our hammocks and we take a nap. Yeah. Don't set up hammocks. Um, <laughs> but you know, if you don't get to see the way other people operate or realizing that some people are like, okay, like I just got off my project. I'm going to wait at least an hour before I try it again. And if I'm tying in, then I tie in with the intention of doing work. Yep. If I'm not trying to send, I am there to learn. Yep. Like there are no, there's no wasted time. <clears throat> you know, and there's times where it is nice to just go out and have fun and do whatever, depending on time of the year, what your goals are. But it's nice to be able to have that perspective of seeing what all the different ranges are. Yeah. And you know, I have to say this, that maybe your significant other isn't the best partner for you. I mean, sometimes that's a real thing. Um, If one of you or the other aren't willing to work on what's potentially a really difficult, a really difficult moment in your relationship, which happens pretty often while rock climbing, then maybe the best person isn't that significant other. And you two should be out climbing with other people. And that's totally okay. Yeah. And I think it's even... I think it's important because, you know, it's tough if you're climbing with your significant other, like you're holding them to two standards. Like yeah. they're supposed to be like, they're supposed to have your back. That's a really important part of it that I'd never really think about. Yeah. It's, you know, it's like you want them as a climbing partner, but at the same time, like they're supposed to be like your support. They're supposed to have your back, like all these things. And those two things conflict. Yeah. Like, let me tell you, as someone who has belayed someone who they were like, okay, <laughs> now when I get up, if I say take, ask me if I'm sure, you know, and they go up. I'm like, they're like, take. I'm like, are you sure you're on point? They're like, I said fucking take. I'm like, well, I'm going to take. Okay. But so, you know, it's tough when you're trying to balance, but like wear both hats. Um, but honestly, I think some of the best things you can do is go climb with other people Cause sometimes you can start to take a step back and be like, wow, you know, maybe I was overreacting in some of these situations because I was holding them to a different standard than what I would hold, you know, my regular climbing partner to. Yep. Um, so that kind of perspective I think is really important both for a relationship and just for climbing. Um, I never thought I'd use that phrase on this podcast. Um, <laughs> and until they come up with robot belayers, you're stuck with people. So you might as well find the right ones. I'm so ready. Yeah, me too. Uh, but yeah, you know, I think it's <laughs> I think it's important to have uh, find people who are on the same day plan as you. Mm-hmm. Like, if someone's idea of a great day is going out and they want to go bushwhack, maybe try and find a new cliff they sort of heard about that's got a crack on it somewhere. Um, it's got a it's got a crack on it somewhere. Um, you know, and to them, like doing three new pitches is a great day. Sounds mm. wonderful. I'd love to read about it someday. Yeah, um, and that that could be great, but. You should probably be with a partner who wants to do that as well. Yes. Yeah. Like, totally. Same thing, like, if you're an early morning person and you're like, hey, I want to be leaving the crag at seven, stop trying to make plans with people who are not morning people. Like, and (laughs) stop being surprised when they're like, hey, I'm just going to meet you there. Yeah. Like, you know, at a certain certain point, it's just you got to recognize that these are how things are. Mm Mm-hmm. Find some afternoon projects. Yeah. (laughs) all right and you know i think i think having the right partner especially the first type we talked about where you're you're really close to that person um and you're able to connect 
I think that type of partner can really help you through this number four. Um, and that's that speed bumps often turn into sinkholes. And this one started as, as your baby. So I'm going to let you explain it a little bit. You know, there's a couple ways that this can manifest. To me, the first thing that came to mind was people will have one little thing pop up. So maybe they've got to travel for a week of work. And then when they get back, they're sick. And then after that, they've got like, you know, renovations on their house and maybe, or maybe a family member dies or something like that. or They've got to go to a wedding and they let one little thing, they're like, oh, well, I got a week of work, so I'm just going to not worry about climbing. And then it's like, well, I got to do some house renovations, so I'll just keep pushing things back. Yep. And the thing is, like, they keep waiting for these perfect conditions, and they never happen, so they never get anything done. Before you know it, they're like, oh, I, I've climbed like four days all summer, and it's fall now. I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah, I think that's super, super common. And I, I would see it with potential partners pretty often, you know, which is sort of why I built a crew of partners <laughs> that I had to choose from. A buffer. Uh, exactly. Because as you become more, as you, as you go more and more into the adult world, people have more and more responsibilities. You know, and not, not everyone stops. lives at the crag yeah. and yeah. And they don't stop. There's going to be another thing after this thing. That's just the way it goes. And to think that that's not going to happen is, is just not thinking it through. So you have to plan a little bit and, but when those little speed bumps happen, you have to take it like a speed bump and just get back on track, do what you can do keep moving forward. Mm -hmm. You know, it can't be this, Oh, I'll just wait till next time. I'll just wait till next time. I'll just wait till next time or letting things spiral out of control. And that's why, that's what I meant by saying that I think that type of partner that you're close to can really help this thing happen. Not only just can they talk to you, talk you through it, but you are also holding yourself a little bit accountable to that person. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're, that close to someone and they have it scheduled that they're going out on Wednesday morning and you're like, I don't know, Tuesday was kind of a shit show. I don't know if I can make it out Wednesday morning. If you're really invested in your partner, you're going to say, okay, I need to make it out for that person regardless. And I think that goes a really long way. Totally. Yeah. You know, and there's, there's a lot of ways that speed bumps can come in. Like to me, these were the obvious, like, you know, some life things happen. And I mean, that's just it. Like if there's anything I've learned from coaching, like more than anything is that life is constantly happening to everyone all the time. Yep. Like, yeah, I think I mentioned it the other day on the podcast, but I've got a, one of the guys I train all but one weekend of October, he has to go to a wedding. Right. He has terrible friends. I'm you need new friends. Right yeah. New friends. But I mean, that's just, and he climbs in the new, and, and actually new don't get new friends because all your friends are going to be married now. So you won't ever Ooh. have to go to a wedding again. Perfect. Yeah. Um, but skip the weddings. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like, things are always going to be happening and popping up. Um, mm -hmm. So it's good to make some sort of priorities and say, okay, well, you know, these four, four weekends I'm traveling, but I want to be trying to perform in November. Maybe I should, you know, plan ahead when I'm traveling for what I'm going to eat. 
like mm, things yeah. like that. Like, yep. Cause I mean, that's the kind of thing, you know, if you go to like a three day weekend of Taco Bell, just whatever. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> traveling food plus wedding food <clears throat> plus drinking and all that. Like, you know, you, you do four weekends of that in a row and it's like suddenly November is a uh, weight training season. Yeah, sure is. But, uh, yeah, I also so. think it can manifest itself and we talked a little bit about this and and we both saw it opposite ways like injuries yes can be a little speed bump mm-hmm. and they can either take you down the sinkhole of oh I'm not I can't do any more training I can't climb I need to rest for a month or it can become I'm going to ignore this injury I'm going to ignore this injury. I'm going to ignore this injury. And then it becomes this big sinkhole and you have to take the season off and you never do address it. Yeah. You know, so it goes both ways, I think. Totally. You know, I think, uh, the, for the first one where you have an injury and you're like, Oh, I'm just going to rest or whatever. Like never waste an injury. Like, mm-hmm. I'm a strong believer in that. Like there is always something you can be developing. It doesn't matter like what has happened. There's always something you can be doing. Yep. Um, and I think that's, you know, that's one of the things that separates really great climbers uh, are, you know, they still get injuries. Like, you know, even guy like the best climbers have injuries or have weird things happen to them, like weird tweaks. Yep. Um, but the thing is they're like, Oh, okay. Like I have a finger injury. I'm going to do a lot of core training and I'm going to do maybe some ring workouts or I'll do some really light endurance work because I'm just going to do whatever I can to keep moving forward. And really often, like a lot of people come back from injury the best they've ever been. Yeah. We've seen it happen over and over. We've seen it with Shauna Coxie multiple times in the past few years Yeah, where she's injured. You see her doing all these things through her injury um, not always on the wall, but always within the climbing space in some way. And then as soon as she comes back, she's winning world cups again. You know, we've seen it happen over and over. Yeah. You know, one of the, there was something that happened to me and I've seen this happen to a lot of people is, uh, I, I used to be very dependent on heel hooking mm-hmm. and like tweaked my knee very severely to the point to where it was in a bad way for months. And after that, I had to learn how to be really strong with my toes. And now it's like, I consider having like long tension off my like toes to be one of my biggest strengths. Yep. And totally. had I not injured my knee, that never would have happened. Like I would have just stayed dependent on it. Mm-hmm. Now I also could have very easily been like, Oh, my knee hurts. I'm just going to take time off. And then I could have just waited until I could heel hook the exact same way I did before and do that all the time. And then I wouldn't have learned anything from it. I would have just lost time. Right. Or you could have said, I'm a heel hooker. That's what I do. I'm going to just tape it and keep doing it. Mm-hmm. And then you could have ended up with a really debilitating injury. Yes. So speed bumps turning into sinkholes. I think we've all seen it happen. You know, where you're going to hit speed bumps. So just don't allow them to, to grow and become these massive things that are out of control. Yeah, don't be surprised when they happen because, I mean, shit hitting the fan is just a part of life. Like, mm-hmm. have backup plans and, you know, just try and take it in stride. Yep. All right, our number three 
uh, barrier to improving in the outdoors. And I just want to emphasize again that these are not in any specific order. They are all very important. Like, because <laughs> yes. every time I see like I this one, I'm I was just, just like, thinking the I'm same like, thing. This could be number one. And then I'm like, oh, wait, that's right. We don't have a number one. Yep. But for <clears throat> so many people, this is their number one. Yep. And this came up this week um, because uh, one of our patrons who was in town, I went out climbing with him and and he wanted to get on a route that he had tried a couple of years ago or, or last year. And the first go up, it went fairly poorly. And in his assessment, it went exactly the way it did a year ago. And, and I don't think he was going to get on it again, but I talked him into it. And the second go went much better. And then he got a little bit excited about it. And then a couple days later, I saw him at the crag again, get on the route in what I thought should have been the send. Like he looked really strong on it, looked really good on it. Felt like he tweaked his back a little bit and pulled the draws. And I was like, oh no. And I thought I thought about it for a minute. Like, should I give him a pep talk? Like, should I convince him to get back on this and then i thought you know what no i'm gonna let him work through it see what happens um and then a couple days later i got a text while you and i were out in the machine shop training that said he'd sent and i was just like hell yes you know i'm glad he stuck it through but in that interim in those couple days i was like i don't know if he's gonna go back and i was like i was having this this dilemma with should I have said something or should I not have, you know, so I'm, I'm very proud of him for going back and for doing it. And he's very psyched that he did, but a lot of people never give themselves that chance. Mm -hmm. And that's what this number three is. You're not giving yourself a chance to improve. And this can go a lot of directions that we didn't even discuss yet. Um, we were just talking about the process of climbing harder routes is hard. Yeah. You know, and some people just bail on it way too soon. Mm -hmm. No, I mean, we see this all the time and it's, I mean, you know, it's hard to not do in your own climbing. Like something that a way this manifests for me is let's say I'm going to go try a sport climb and I haven't been on it in two years and two years ago, I know I got to this certain high point. And so I go back and first go on it. I don't even come close to that. I'm just like, Oh shit, I'm a worse rock climber. Like this is terrible. And it, cause it's hard to remember. It's like, Oh wait, I was like fighting tooth and nail to get to that high point. Okay. I had put a bunch of days in it. I had it dialed. Yep. Like, of course I'm not going to get near there because like, I don't remember most of my beta. Like this was me just testing it out. Like, I don't need to be stressed over this, but it's very easy to overreact when that first mm -hmm. thing happens. It should be like, Oh shit. Like, okay. Like, no, I, I need to go do something else now. Yep. Um, but yeah. And we see that all the time, like with bouldering, I'd say one of the most common things I see is, uh, people not giving themselves time. Like they'll go Definitely. out. They say, Oh, <clears throat> they rolled with like a huge crew. They're like, Oh, I guess I'll go try my project. They try the moves each like twice and then they're like, oh, okay, well, all my friends want to go climb on something else. So we'll just go over there and then they don't do the climb. Right. But 
you know, if you think about the amount of time you put into gym, gym projects, you might put, you know, four or five, like one to two hour sessions into a single climb. Yep. But you go out and after 30 minutes, you write off a boulder. You know, it's hard. Like you need to keep these things in perspective. Yeah. I mean, I see it with sport climbing too in the same way. I remember, I don't remember if I saw the video first or I read an article first of Beth Rodden on The Optimist Mm -hmm. and Smith and her talking about, it was like four or five days or something before she did all the moves. And I was like, whoa, what? Yeah. I've never even heard of that. I'm a Red River climber. You do all the moves first try on any route you get on, you know? Mm-hmm. And and that blew me away. Like, how do you stick it out on a sport climb where you can't do all the moves? But as soon as you realize that a sport climb is really just a series of boulder problems stacked on top of each other, some of them are really easy boulder problems. Some of them are much harder boulder problems. And then you look at the time you spend on boulder problems in the gym, especially where you can go in there three days a week and try the same problem. You might try the same move 30, 40 times a session sometimes, you know, and on a sport climb, you try it once, twice, three times, maybe then you clip through, pull through, clean your draws. Mm -hmm. I can't do that move. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy talk. Totally. You know, when you think about, I mean, there are so many boulders that it might take you three long sessions just to do, you know, a single boulder. And like, that's not even a long amount of time, but three sessions to do a boulder um, of hard work. And then after that, you can go and you can repeat it pretty much every single time, you know, with a moderate amount of effort, but you're going to repeat it, you know, 90% of the time. Yep. There aren't many people in the world who can put that much time into a boulder on a route. Um, and I'm not saying you necessarily need to, but you need to have the perspective of like, okay, well, if it takes me X amount of time to do a V8 in the gym, if I want to do a route with a V8 on it, I should expect it a similar amount of time investment. Right. Um, yep. Totally. And I think a lot of people just don't, yeah, they don't, uh, take that into account. Yeah. You know, this is something that you and I talk about quite a bit in our workshops. Um, when we're talking to people about working moves and perfecting moves. Um, and we, in our presentation, we use the video of Tony Hawk doing the first 900 at the X games. And it's, it's really interesting to look at skateboarding as this parallel to rock climbing because their runs are made up of of some moves that they have totally dialed in and some moves that are harder for them. And they have to practice those hard moves to make them better and better so they can connect all these moves together, just like a hard rock climb. Mm-hmm. And in that video of Tony Hawk, you know, a lot of you who are listening have seen it, and you just see the 12 or, you know, eight attempts or whatever are in the video. And it could be really easy to extrapolate and think that, oh, he's tried that trick 50 times. You know, that wouldn't even be stretching your imagination. But if you listen close in the video, you hear Bob Bernquist in the background say, 
the 900 is 10 years deep with Tony. And the reality of it is that Tony actually first tried the trick 15 years before he landed it. Those first five years on and off occasionally didn't really understand where he was. Then 10 years before he lands it at the X games, he starts trying it more and more regularly. There were other climber or other climbers, other skaters trying to do it at the same time. Other people were getting really close. We see those eight or 10 or whatever attempts at the X games, but there were 15 years of learning the parts of this one trick before he finally landed it. And then it wasn't long before he was doing it in runs and doing it relatively regularly. And climbers very often when they go out into the field outdoors where they're looking to improve, that's what all our training is for. Try something a handful of times, move on. Mm-hmm. Or even just one time. I see so many people go outside they're very concerned about getting in as much as they can on their couple of days outside and they try a route once and they move on to another route and they hang on it a couple of times and they move to another route they hang on it a couple of times and that's what their whole weekend looks like and you have to ask yourself is that going to be the thing that's more that I'm more proud of or would I be more proud if I spent three or four attempts on this one thing that I had to hang once on my first try, you know, or, or twice on my first try? Because chances are you're going to do it if you put a couple of extra attempts on it. Mm-hmm. So people not giving themselves a chance. Yeah. You know, and what you just finished with that, um, I think is really important that, you know, you said they... They may hang on it once or twice and they'll probably do it. I think a lot of people don't realize how fast you can connect things. Right. Yeah, they don't at all. Um, And it's, you know, it's like the other day, um, you know, you were talking about the patron who went up. You were like, oh, he's on the send go. And then like he ended up pulling his draws. It's like in your mind, you're like, you're there. And it's like, and this is something we both see all the time where someone is just so unbelievably close. Um, it was funny when I was climbing in the red, I was at the gold coast one day and, uh, the Polish, the Polish national team was there. Mm. The guys were just monsters. Um, I think it was like four guys on the team, but this one younger guy went up, gets on God's own stone on sites up to the crux falls immediately pulls back on and climbs it to the top lowers. And I was like, man, that was sick. Like you've got an X go. And he was like, no, I think it's a little too powerful for me. <laughs> and I like pause. I'm like, hold on. What? Like, are you fucking with me right now? Like, <laughs> and I guess like what was funny is the only other guy from their team who got on it. Cause the other guys were just circuiting the entire crag, but the other guy flashed it basically cutting feet intentionally on every move. He would like make a move, cut both feet, swing them over to the next hold, yeah. do the next move. And he flashed it casually. But what's crazy is like, I watched this guy. I was just like, you just did this. Like you, you over got a huge overlap. Like first try you did the boulder. Once you knew what you were doing, like you should have just done this next go. Yeah. You know, um, but it's crazy. You know, he ended up doing a couple easier things at the crag. You know, he, 
He uh, settled for some uh, consolation prizes, some 13Cs, <laughs> some 13Bs. So that's nice. He was consoled. Um, but I mean, you it's know, funny that people at that level cannot realize, yeah, how quickly things can come together. Yeah, but it definitely happens. Totally. I mean, it happens to everyone. Like, and I think it's a sign of a really great outdoor climber to be able to do the opposite. Um, mm-hmm. I remember this was, oh, would have been maybe like 2009. I was climbing with Jimmy out in Colorado and he would go up, kind of do moves on things. And maybe there'd be one move that was giving him trouble on a boulder. And once he'd figure it out, he would just pull on from the start and do the whole boulder. And this yep. was like, you know, he was very strong at the time, but like people didn't like know much about him. As, and I remember I'd be standing there, people would be like, what the fuck just happened? Like he just like, he just did it. He didn't have to do links. He didn't have to do anything, but he, he knew what he needed to do. Right. And he understood he, himself so well. He checked his boxes and he pulled on confidently and just got shit done. Yeah. And, but <clears throat> it was so funny seeing the reaction from people. Cause they were like, they're like, well, that was out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. But it was suddenly every boulder he did was out of nowhere kind of thing. It's like, <laughs> right. I think, you know, I think maybe this isn't out of nowhere. It's just, yeah, there's something happening here. Yeah. He just understood his process. <clears throat> mm-hmm. You know, he could do a sequence and be like, okay, I'm never going to fall on that again. Like, yep. okay, I'll do this sequence. I'm not going to fall on that. Like I just need to do this move and I need to know the little bit, little parts that connect the two pieces. If I can do that, I'll do the whole route, yep. the whole boulder. Yep. Um, and I think it's a sign you see good, like, or great, outdoor climbers they have that confidence and they have that knowledge in themselves of what it takes and sometimes i mean you know i like to think there's times where i feel very confident in myself and i understand this process but i'll still watch people and be like oh good luck with that next go i can't believe you're getting on that again and they (laughs) fired i'm like oh fuck me okay that's awesome yeah that happens to me too for sure yeah but yeah so it's one of those things like you just need to you need to play around with like Maybe try things a little more than you think you should. Um, you know, it can be taken to an extreme. Mm-hmm. But I I honestly think most people aren't, most regular weekend warriors aren't taking it to that level. Yep. No, I, I totally 100% agree. And I think the two are different with sport climbing and with boulders. I think you have to learn that process both ways. You know, I had... I had a moment on a boulder in Waco, a boulder which shall not be named. We will never speak of this boulder again, actually. It's the Voldemort of boulders. Yes. <clears throat> um, it was the only, it's the only V11 still that I've ever touched, I've ever tried. I don't know what rock climb this is. And I did the bottom of it in five minutes, something like that, mm-hmm. and just dropped off after the bottom and was like, okay, I'm going to learn the top of it now. Yeah. And someone was like, what did you just do? And I'm like, what do you mean? And they're like, it's V3 from there. I'm like, no way. And I pull on and climb to the top. Mm-hmm. Like, oh yeah. It's V3 from there. Oh man. And then I came back three days and couldn't repeat the bottom. Damn. So in sport climbing mode, that would never happen to me. If I make it through hard moves, I'm going to keep climbing, you know, But with a boulder, I thought, here is the process. Here's what I do. All right, that move, I just unlocked that move. I'm dropping off. I'll learn the next move. Turns out there wasn't a next move. 
Um, so cautionary tale, don't do that, <laughs> especially on the boulder which shall not be named. So uh, you have to give yourself a chance Yeah, is what this really comes down to. Um, yeah. Whether it's you're a weekend warrior, you need to give your, that, yourself that chance to improve by putting more time in than you customarily putting or than you're customarily putting into routes on your weekend trips or just learning a new process, reevaluate and say, am I actually ready to red point right now? Like, or, or is there more I really actually have to learn or can I just go hard and get it done? Yeah. You know, try those things, play around with it, give yourself a chance. Yeah. And don't be afraid to, you know, I don't think fail is a great word, but, you know, it shouldn't be seen as failure. It should just be a test. Yep. Like if you go out and you're like, okay. I An assessment. Go. People don't like a measurement. People don't like test. Okay. People freak out about tests. It's an assessment. It's so just an assessment or a measurement. You're just measuring where you're at right but now. if you want to go out and you want to go climb your first <laughs> V8 and you go out and you try it like once and you're like, oh, I don't know. That's kind of hard. And you only have... You know, you have the whole weekend. Let's say you like drove six hours to go boulder somewhere. Yep. And you try it your first day. You're like, I don't know. I could just go do a bunch of like V6s, maybe get a a V7 or two in. And that's what you spend your whole weekend doing instead. You don't know how it would have ended. Right. So, you know, give it a try. Yep. Like you don't know until you try. Yep. Absolutely. And right now we should try to break. All right. Break. What's up, everybody? Chris here. Pardon the interruption. I'll keep this short and sweet. Since this podcast started taking off and we've been growing it, you guys have been asking how you can help out. I've got three ways for you. Number one, you can become a patron. That just means you give a monthly donation to the podcast, a dollar and up, and you get something in return. And you can check out what those rewards are at patreon.com slash powercompanypodcast. Best of all, we'll keep it sponsor and commercial free for you. Number two, you can rate us and review us on iTunes. I know it's a pain in the ass to go to iTunes and do all that, but it really helps us out. At least that's what I'm told by the podcast powers that be. And number three, perhaps the easiest way and the best way to help us out is to share us on your social medias. Anytime you see us post up a new podcast, please share it with your friends. Tag people who will really appreciate it or who need to hear the advice that we're giving. All right. Thank you, guys. And back to the show. All right. And we have returned um, with our number two reason, which is in no specific order. Um, Number two barrier to improving in your outdoor climbing. And this one's got, we could talk about that. We could do a whole podcast on this one. Totally. Um, but it's that you're not getting the right type of mileage. And this could be that you're not getting outside enough, that you're not getting, um, you're not trying enough hard routes. It could be that you're trying only hard routes and you're never building a base under you. That is a thing. Totally a thing could be that you're only climbing on steep jugs in the madness cave and you would be better off if you went and tried no redemption or something that's bouldery and more vertical. Um, there's all sorts of ways this could go. 
What do you think is the most common type of mileage mistake for people? Um, oh, that's a good. Ooh, I've got it. It's that they stick to the same template. Mm, yep. They say, okay, I go out, I do two warm ups, I maybe try another route, like something new. I go try my project. Maybe I'm tired and I end my day. Maybe I do something else afterwards. Yep. And then they do the same thing in the gym. They might do the same thing in the gym, but that is their outdoor template. They just repeat it ad nauseum. Um, you know, something that I kind of stumbled across earlier in my climbing, and it's funny when I ended up talking with uh, Adam Taylor later about this, he was just like, oh, it's like, yeah, that's what I do too. He's like, I've never really thought about it as a process. It's just kind of what naturally happens, but... Like one season I was like, I'm just going to do what I'm psyched on. And originally I was like, okay, I want to hit, I really wanted to climb 513 this year. Mm -hmm. So my initial goal was I wanted to climb my 50th 512 first. Mm -hmm. um, so in, I think I did 23 512s in a single month. Nice. Um, or I did 22 because I ended up, I mentioned earlier how I hurt my knee. Um, I hurt my knee the last day of the month and I just had to do one more rock climb. Heel hooking on a route in the red? Yeah. On a 12? Uh, little teacup. Damn. Yeah. Oh, I would never have guessed that one. No, I was resting on it, and I, like, just relaxed. And, um, yeah, it turns out you need uh, active stability in your knee, and if your muscles are relaxed, you lose that, <laughs> and uh, you just have the passive stability. So uh, that wasn't holding it and just popped mm. and went sideways, and it was weird. And then I ended up climbing um, something a few days later. But... Um, so originally I was like, okay, I just want to do a bunch of new easy, like single day. I'm trying to do some on sites of like some low end five twelves. Um, so I was like on siting 11 plus 12 minus. And then once that was going really well, I was like, okay, I want to see what I can, what I can do in a day. Um, so I started doing like 12 A's, 12 B's, 12 C's in a day. And I was like, okay, I want to start trying some things that might take me like two days or so. Um, did some D's and then I ended up hitting 50 and then I was like, okay, well let's see what'll happen when I actually like put some time into things. And then when I would put like four and five days into routes, like I started climbing 513 after having already built up a base and then I actually ended up going back to on-siting again. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was great. It was a ton of fun, like just kind of switching through this rotation yep. of like, okay, what can I do? You know, first try versus like on-site versus flash versus the long process till like I finally had a big project and I wanted to climb a 13B, did it. And then I was like, okay, let's start back over. Um, and that, I, you know, it doesn't have to be that template, but I think for a lot of people, changing things up is really important and it's not, it just doesn't happen. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think especially for a weekend warrior, it's really easy to get trapped in the same template. You know, if you if you have the availability to go to the crag more often, um, especially if you live somewhat near a crag where you're working as well and you, you're doing half days, some days, full days, some days, it sort of lends itself to switching it up. But weekend warriors who have this very regimented schedule of I get off work Friday at five, I get into my car at five Oh seven, I drive to the to the red. I sleep in Miguel's parking lot. I get up at eight o three. You know they have this very regimented thing that they do every weekend. Mm -hmm. 
that really lends itself to I'm going to do the same exact template over and over and over yeah. and over. You know, we really could have, really should have picked on rifle climbers for this one because mm. they do the exact same warm ups, yep. exact same AM project, exact same PM project, yep. and they just do it until it's done. And that, that could be like seasons. Yep. Um, and so, yeah, I think when we talk about the wrong amount or the wrong type of mileage, I think not changing up the template of how you approach a day, that's a big mistake. Yeah, I think so too. I think that's I think that's pretty hugely important. And it's it's sort of a catch all for a lot of the different types of mileage we found in this. Um except for the kind of the person who ends up being the one trick pony. Mm-hmm. And you know, even if you're on-siting versus projecting versus three-day mini projects, whatever, if they're all in the madness cave, you're still not getting all the things you need. Yeah. You know, and it's really easy to get trapped into that because that's what you're good at. Things go down quickly. You know, you know what to expect when you get on them as far as how long it's going to take me, how it should feel when I'm ready to red point. And it's a little different when you switch things up, but I think it's worth it. And traveling is really great. Mileage on the road, different areas, different grip types, different rock, different styles. Um, But even if you can't travel, you know, if you're, if you're a, a mom who has three kids at home and you can only get to the crag one day a week and you only have a two week vacation every year, then by all means stay at your home crag and get a lot done, but try to do some vertical stuff. Try to do some deep stuff. Climb a slab for God's sakes. Occasionally, um, maybe even go crack climbing. I think it's fun to switch it up and do all those things. Yeah. You know, every now and then I'll find a really nice looking crack where I'm like, Oh, that's stunning. I want to climb no, that. No, you do not. And then I climb the sport <laughs> route next to it and I do a death choss traverse over to the anchors. And then I free snake through the anchors a couple times. And I'm like, Oh, that was wonderful. Cool. Check that box for the year. 2018 uh, trad climber. Okay. Done. I am well traveled. Um, but yeah, as far as one trick pony goes, I think this is one that's hard to recognize that you're doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because I mean, if you're even just climbing in one area, you know, like the red, just sport climbing versus bouldering. I mean, that alone, that's huge. Just sport climbing versus bouldering. Um, but it's easy to believe that like, you know, we use the red as an example a lot, but it's, you know, it's kind of amazing. So I'll do it. Um, but most things there are fairly endurance based Mm -hmm. and a lot of the routes that most people are like, Oh, that's really bouldery. Most people refer to convicted as bouldery. Right. It's still like a, what, an 85-foot route? Right. And that, if you put that boulder on the ground, it wouldn't even be a thing. No. It wouldn't be a thing for <clears throat> someone in like Mythos who's been climbing for like five months. <laughs> right. Like, but it, but yes, it's very easy to be like, oh, yeah, no, I did some bouldery routes this year. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm really changing things up. Mm-hmm. Um, so be careful of becoming the one-trick pony. Yep. Also, you might just find you're really good at other things or you really enjoy them um, or they just make you really good at what you want to do. Um, I used to be horrible at crimping, like awful. That was my biggest weakness ever was crimping. 
And then eventually I started, originally it was because of finger injuries, um, but you know, they got better, but I still just kept avoiding crimps. And then eventually I started working back towards crimps again. And I was like, oh wait, like I actually do fairly well on crimps and I like, I like hard bouldering and I like routes with like hard moves on it, which tend to have crimps on them. Yep. So this made everything better. But for the longest time, I was like, nah, I'm not a crimp guy. Like, I like slopers and pinches and big power moves, but crimps aren't for me. Um, but had I not, like, stepped out of that comfort zone and, like, started trying boulders that were, like, comically easy compared to, like, by number grade. Right. I mean, like, four V grades lower than what I was normally climbing on. But it was hard. So it was like, I was like, okay, I'll just do this. Yep. But it's made everything else so much more fun since. Mm-hmm. And then Angie Payne came into the machine shop and crushed all your crimp projects. I and know. Now you're like, I don't climb crimps anymore. She hurt my feelings. <laughs> she's not invited back. It's not my house, but she's not invited. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's really important just to diversify. You know, I, I almost said give yourself a chance because it, it goes back to that as well. Like, don't shut yourself out just because you you think that you should only be climbing one type of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know, just because one method worked for someone else, it might not work for you. Like there are some people who they can put their head down and go for like a four year project and they get it done. That's great. Not many people can do that. And same way, like some people can just climb a ton of volume and they get better. It doesn't seem, doesn't really work for most people. Like you need to find what works well for you. And the only way you can is by trying a lot of things. Yep, absolutely. And I'll, I'll add this in too, um, <clears throat> because I've had some clients and worked with some people who have the availability to get more mileage and just don't because it's not great climbing. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're someone who isn't able to get to great climbing very often, but you do have these little scraggly cliffs near your house, go to those little scraggly cliffs. I mean, I spent so much time climbing on weird man-made limestone walls when I was learning, and I feel like my footwork became so much better because of it, standing on these little slippery limestone edges. I would go to the red, and all of a sudden, every foothold's a jug, you know? But that never would have happened had I only stayed in the gym and climbed in the red. Yeah. Um, So, you know, you'll find... There will, there will be things about those little scraggly cliffs that help you improve. Yeah. And I mean, like, what may be a scraggly cliff to you might be world-class to the English. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Sorry, all of our UK listeners. He didn't mean that. The truth hurts. <laughs> I mean, but for real, like, something that I admire the English for, like, the people in the UK, like, they do so much with so little. Like some of some of their like bouldering cliff yeah. line stuff, you're mm-hmm. like, wow, that looks awful. And they're like, yeah, we have like 47 problems on this, like, I don't know, the seven meter. And if we wide can't climb cliff. there, we're climbing in our cellars. Exactly. Yeah. It's sticky damp out mm-hmm. right now. It's good. We're gonna go for it. Um <laughs> but yeah, like they uh, they just like get after it with like some of the most garbage looking rocks. Some of it looks great, guys. You know, it's wonderful. I'd love to visit someday. But 
some of it, like, I'm just like, wow, that looks terrible. But like, you were fucking psyched and that is awesome. Like, yeah, totally. And they get after it. And like, you know, I love like Jerry Moffat's book and um, read Ben Moon's book as well. Like, and like the stuff they talk about, they're like, oh yeah, I would like climb up this and down this. And like, I would practice shaking out on this. It's just like the things that they did, <clears throat> few people in the States would ever repeat. Right. Like as that, as a form of training, cause they're just like, no, like, why would I climb on that? That looks awful. But like, you know, for them, they were like, okay, I need the mileage. And for a lot of people, you know, and I think you really hit it on this, like a lot of people would rather go train in the really nice cushy gym that's like AC controlled and has a moon board and a tension board and all these things. And, you know, it's, it's wonderful. But if you don't spend time outside, you don't have that currency. Like you don't you know, you have to know how to grab limestone. You need to know how to smear on bad holds. Yep. Like climbing outside in its in a, in and of itself is a skill. And if you aren't practiced in it, like you're going to have trouble. Yeah. So it's good. Like it's good to get out and yeah, spend some time on English type <laughs> rock. <laughs> totally. And you know, you just brought up conditions too. And that's something maybe we should have talked about and not giving yourself a chance. Or maybe it should have just been its own topic here. We should have done top 10 roadblocks to outdoor improvement. Um, All still equal. But paying so much attention to the conditions is just a little bit asinine for most climbers. If you're, unless you're like, you're going out to try and climb on the absolute hardest thing you'll ever do in your life, then go try it even though the conditions aren't prime. I spent a lot of summers climbing in the red. I'm not saying that's smart, but it. But I got a lot of mileage in so that I could spend time in the good conditions trying hard things. And I've seen a lot of people send things in less than prime conditions. Um, it can happen, you know, but if you don't give yourself a chance, if you... If you skip going outside because the conditions aren't perfect, then you can't do it. So Yeah, and not to mention weather changes. Like forecasts are terrible. Forecasts are horrible. There are so many times where I've gone out from like walking through fog. Like, oh, God, this is awful. Why am I even doing this? And then you get there and everything like dries up and some wind kicks up and you're just like, oh, sticky damp. Mm-hmm. They were right. The Sticky English were onto something. The English knew about it all this time. Yeah. No, I, <laughs> one of the best examples was uh, I went climbing in Horsemans. This was maybe proportionately to how strong I was the best day of bouldering I've ever had. It's top three for sure. But um, was went down to Horsepins and it was like in a cloud when I pulled up there. And I was just like, oh man. And it was like a two hour drive or two and a half hour drive to get there. So I sat in my car for a while and it got really windy and really dry Mm. and I could not fall. Like I literally, like if I wish I knew more things to do that day. Like I think I had climbed two V9s ever. And that day I did something like I did a new V9, like three or four V8s and like five or six V7s Mm. all new to me. And it was one of those things like I just didn't know new things to do. Like it was so perfect. 
but it was the kind of thing when you, when I pulled up in the morning, I was like, this is awful. Like, why am I here? I can't believe like the only reason I even stayed was because I had to, I drove two and a half hours to get there. Yep. Um, but yeah, then it was like cheating all day. Yep. Totally. I had my best day of bouldering in the gym yesterday and it's all downhill from there. Yeah. You know, because we have it AC controlled. It's pretty bougie. (laughs) It is. It really is. All right. Uh, Our number one, but not in the order. Um, Top five barriers to outdoor improvement is this one's yours. And it's catchy. Oh, thank you. I think you should just say it. Um, It's having A to Z goals, but not having A to B goals. And at first I was like, there's no such thing as 12Z. You don't know what you're talking about. But I'm on another level. <laughs> but totally. I think it's really easy. And we talked about this. That might have been the other podcast we recorded tonight. But we talked about having these big goals, but not really having a path to get there. Mm-hmm. Not understanding that what you do every day matters. And setting that really far away goal can be a really easy way to end up just going in circles and not really knowing where you're headed. Yeah. No, and it can it can be intimidating. You know, I I love big goals. I think they're awesome. Like I think they're important. But you need to have the steps along the way. You know, you can't just say, oh, I want to climb... 515. Okay. Well, you know, it's like if I say A to Z goal, so A would be like today I climb, you know, this grade and then Z would be, I want to climb that grade over there. Maybe there's like four letter grades between here and there. It's like, okay, like A to B is like, what is step one? If A to Z is there are 25 steps between here and there, like what is just step one? Like, what can I do today? What can I do tomorrow? What can I do for the next month? Yep. That will bring me one step closer. Mm-hmm. And I think this is the one, this is one of the things that people miss out on when they're making their goals is that they have this big audacious goal and it's wonderful and it's great. And it's like probably realistic for most people, like what they want to do, but they just haven't laid out the individual steps yet. Cause it's not as fun. Like it's also, it's just not as cool to be like, okay, I'm going to make this tiny little goal. Like I'm going to do, I want to climb, I want to climb 14 C. Well, I need to do this 13B that is really hard for me. Yeah. It's like, that's not cool. Yep. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, you know, when I was working on Transworld or you're really starting to think about Transworld, um, I worked on Take That Katie Brown. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> that was the 13B I was thinking yeah. about, actually. Yeah, I, I, it has to be. <laughs> yeah. I still don't think it goes. And it's funny because it's, that's now more and more becoming my style of -hmm. climbing. I've gotten better and better at that style, which at the time was very, very difficult for me. Felt absurdly hard for the grade. But now I'm starting to think about, oh, if I'm going, the hardest thing I'm going to climb should have some similar type moves, you know, where I'm, going really big and having to keep tension. And so I think you mean for me, that really hits home that in order to climb this big grade, you're going to have to climb something that early on feels absurdly difficult 
for the grade. Yeah. You know, and it's all about just what makes you better. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's, that can be, there can be a lot of forms for that. It could be like before I did zookeeper last fall, I had a goal of, I wanted to repeat um, what I've referred to as Cerberus because I needed to log something on 8A. But it's uh, the three hard routes at Purgatory. Mm, yeah, and, yeah. and I've never actually been one to go back and repeat routes. It's something that like right. I see a lot of value in. Um, I had like warm up and cool down circuits, but I would never make a day of, okay, I'm going to go out and try and do this. But in my mind, I was like, okay, like I'm going to go out and I want to repeat these three routes in a day. And if I can do that, like I'm fit enough because frankly, they're all longer than zookeeper, which is wonderful. (laughs) Um, but this was something that, you know, it's like basically three 13 B's more or less like for a 14 a route, like there's, you know, they don't really add up, but in my mind, like I was like, okay, if I do this, I'm good. And so I ended up doing it and it was such a boost for me. And, you know, it only took one extra day out of my season. And it, I think I ended up, that was the first time I ever climbed Dracula too. Hmm. But uh, yeah, I had just never gotten back to that one. But I was like, okay, this is the goal. Added that. And this was like this one little tiny step on the process. Right. But for me, it ended up being huge because I actually like was very surprised it even happened. By the end of the day, I was like, oh, maybe I am fit. Like, cause I hadn't been sport climbing. I had just been training, doing campus punks all summer. Yep. Um, cause that's all I had access to was a campus board and weights. So I was just foot on paddling with a campus board. So this was like, oh, okay. I can sport climb. Like we're, we're in it to win it at this point. Yep. And so adding this little goal, instead of going straight to trying the project, I think that for me was monumental in building momentum. Totally. And I think you could, I think it's really important to be able to see your season that way. Like if the big goal is whatever it is, if if your big goal is 12A at the beginning of your season, going out and jumping right on 12A sounds really enticing. It sounds like it's the best way to get there, but it may not be. And I think we can, as, as much as I don't like to pull directly from other sports all the time, we can look at almost every other competitive sport and see how they structure their competition season and swimmers, boxers, runners, runners all sorts of athletes will start their season not expecting to be in top form and you know going to the races, going to the fights that that are going to help them prepare for the big races later on or the big title fights later on. You know, it's, it just makes sense when you think about it. Um, but it's really easy to get trapped in the logic of, I can't climb 12 a unless I try 12 a totally, but maybe that just comes a little bit later. Yeah. No, I remember like, I mean, that was something with like with running, you know, you have to keep it in, you have to just keep it proportional to what it was like. So, you know, if I go out and my first race of the season, it's like a preseason race and I run a 5k in like 17 minutes. I'm like, Oh, last year I ran it in like 1720 on yep. this race. Maybe I ran faster at the very end of the season when I was at my <clears> prime, <throat> but it's like, Oh, 
I'm 20 seconds faster than I was at right. this same point. Mm-hmm. That's huge. Like, but if I compared it to my best, I would have been like, oh, well, this was terrible. Like, you know, I'm an awful runner. I almost said rock climber. Um, but it's that same thing with climbing. Like, if you go out in day one, you expect to be better than your ever your best ever. Like, you know, sometimes that happens. Yeah. Like, especially when you're new to climbing or you're new to like it's your only your second season ever of sport climbing. Like every day you're pretty much better. Right. But once you've been doing it for a while, you know, you have to keep things in check and you need to keep things in perspective. Yeah, and I think that's something a lot of the guys here do really well in that they they have this circuit that they've dialed in, you know, like these are the routes on the rodeo wave that I do. And last season it took me two days to repeat Cal Reggae and three days to repeat Stetson or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then this season it took me one day to repeat Cal Reggae and then I repeated Stetson the next day. So now Atomic or Atomic Cal is a for sure thing this season, you mm-hmm. know. Um, <clears throat> and then at the upper levels of that is BJ, who's got this circuit of every route on the wall at this point and can repeat them pretty much anytime he wants to. But he still goes back and judges how his fitness is coming along by how do these routes feel when I do them back to back to back, you know? So I think it's really important to have that. And like you said, it, it just boosts you for later in the season. And if you don't do that, you don't have that boost. You're going into your big project unsure. It's a really easy way to, to stunt your growth out there. Yeah, man. And confidence is, it can't be overstated as far as I'm concerned. Totally. I don't care how much hashtag science you've got behind your training. If you aren't going in confident and sure that you can move well and believing that you can send, it just doesn't matter. Yeah. So, uh, how about you go back through our top five barriers to improving outside? All right. So number five, bad partners. Number four, Speed bumps that turn into sinkholes. Number three, you didn't give yourself a chance. Gotta give yourself a chance. Number two, the wrong amount of outdoor mileage. And finally, actually I guess I don't shouldn't say finally. Really these are all number one, just in yeah. different order, but number one, having A to Z goals, but not having the intermittent A to B goals. Totally. Yep, super important. So if you've been hitting a roadblock, if you've been plateauing outside, take a look at some of these things. They might be the the thing that you need to, you know, make that breakthrough this season. And uh, until then, you know where we're at. We are at powercompanyclimbing.com. If you need a, a to break through a barrier indoors too, um, if your training seasons have sucked lately, we've got training plans. Those are definitely the top five ways to break through your plateau. (laughs) Forget about all these things we just talked about. Go buy a training plan, powercompanyclimbing.com. You should also follow us on the Facebooks and the Instagrams and the Pinterest at Power Company Climbing. You're at Crux Padwell on Instagram. Not anymore. Now it's just Nate Drolet. No spaces. I know. Through me too. And, uh... 
You can look for us on the Twitters. I don't believe Crux Padwell is there either, but I know that I'm not there because we don't tweet. We scream like eagles. This time, 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 this time